Welcome to the Movie Journey Podcast, where we break down every film from the IMDb Top 250 list, giving our own thoughts and reviews and any general discussion along the way. My name is Daniel Henderson. And I'm Dean Jeffrey and Akio Joke. Nothing happened. You've got to get that magic right. <laughs> ah, maybe next time. And today we're breaking down the conclusion to the Harry Potter series, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. So, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2 is a 2011 fantasy film directed by David Yates and distributed by Warner Brothers Pictures. It is the second of two cinematic parts based on J.K. Rowling's 2007 novel of the same name. The film, which is the eighth and final installment in the Harry Potter film series, was written by Steve Cloves and produced by David Heyman, David Barron, and J.K. Rowling. The story continues to follow Harry Potter's quest to find and destroy Lord Voldemort's Horcruxes in order to stop him once and for all. The film stars, as usual, Daniel Radcliffe, Rupert Grint, and Emma Watson, along with the usual assortment of cast, including a couple of new people here. We got Kieran Hines as Aberforth Dumbledore and Kelly MacDonald as Helena Ravenclaw. Oh, I did not know that. Oh, really? Kelly MacDonald. Yeah. I remember her from uh, Brave. Do you? <laughs> uh, yeah. Also train spotting. Also no country for all men. That's right. She does that really yeah. good accent. That's right. That's right. She does. It was actually Kate Winslet who was considered and actually offered the role of Helena Ravenclaw in the first first part. Why would you turn that down? It's such an easy, small role that you could say you're a part of the Harry Potter world. The role was actually rejected by her agent. She didn't even didn't even get a chance to consider it because he thought that she would not want to follow suit with every other actor in Britain by being part of Harry Potter. That's terrible. Like, to join a franchise like this, surely you would at least put it to your client. No, nah, didn't want to do it. And apparently they were fired the next day. That's a, that's a joke. I, that's not true. Oh. <laughs> Sounds like it could be true, though. Um. Okay. Terrible joke there, Hendo. Yeah, poor taste. Music by Alexandre Desplat. Cinematography by Eduardo Serra as well. Daniel Radcliffe actually broke about 80 wands throughout the entire franchise here because he used to use them as drumsticks. Oh, so we're doing franchise trivia, are we? Well, it's the end of the franchise. I mean, we've got to you know, have a little bit of discussion about the franchise in general. Okay. So 80 wands was your leading off point for this franchise discussion. Well, That's- we're starting off low. Does he break more? <laughs> Does Ron break 800? (laughs) Following the completion of this movie, and of course the franchise in general, most of the Hogwarts sets were put on display for the public as part of the Warner Brothers Studio Tour in London. I mean, that makes sense. It's a you know big, massive franchise. You want to have some of this stuff on display, get get people to come on down and check it out. You want to have some of this stuff on display. How many of those you got? That's probably it. I feel like I've been pretty well controlled lately. My pun game has been soft. Speaking of soft, of the three main performers, Rupert Grint was the only one who never seriously considered leaving the franchise. I think we mentioned a little while ago that Emma Watson considered leaving after the fifth film. Daniel Radcliffe thought about leaving after Prisoner of Azkaban as well. How come? Over it. Over it! So it wasn't Tired? Like, it wasn't like wage disputes or anything? I don't think so. In fairness, if I had to guess which of the three would never consider leaving the role, <laughs> you would guess Rupert Grint every time. Like, what else is he doing? I watched a TV show with him in it, um, with Nick Frost. Have you seen that one? I have not. I don't remember it what it was called. I watched the whole season, though. Uh, I don't know. It was probably like six episodes. It was fine. Yeah, fair enough. I won't go out and watch that anytime soon, based off your glowing review there. So before the final book was published, Daniel Radcliffe actually asked J.K. Rowling 
whether his character Harry would die at the end, and after a silence, she gave him a very cryptic answer, you get a death scene. Surely you could just say, yes, and wink. <laughs> That's a little rough. <laughs> yes, wink, wink. <laughs> so, do I? <laughs> yes, wink. Just surely, tell me. Surely that's much more cryptic than you have a death scene. <laughs> oh, so I die. But this did premiere in London on the 7th of July in 2011 with a runtime of 130 minutes, the shortest Harry Potter film out of all of them. What are, your, what are your thoughts on that? Part two being the shortest film out of all of them. Yeah, it's good. They don't need to be so long all the time. Um, I probably would have rather Deathly Hallows Part 1 be the shortest of them all, but that's yeah, fine. I, got, I mean, it's not a short movie. It's not like you're saying, oh, this one's only 90 minutes. It's still over two hours long. Yeah, you say that they don't all have to be long. I agree that not all of them had to be that long. I think this could have been a bit longer, though. I think they could have put a bit more into this film. It's the it's the, f- the culmination of the entire series. Culmination. You know, I, I wouldn't have minded an extra 10, 15 minutes on this film. Cut it out of part one and put it in here instead. Do you mean that literally? Like, take some of the scenes out of one <laughs> and put them in two? Not those scenes in particular. You could cut those scenes and use the actual runtime on this film for something that would make more sense for this film. Would you like maybe another Harry and Hermione dance scene? You know, that really good platonic dance scene we got. No, I want another uh, Ron telling them all to piss off. (laughs) He didn't even do that in Hallows 1. I I don't care. He should do that in every film. But we've got three taglines here, Dean. I think the main one I saw was, it all ends here. That's good. What about, nowhere is safe? That's bad. The last enemy is death. The last enemy is death. I'm not even sure that's accurate. So the first one's good. Makes sense. Ties it all up. They should have had, death is the only great adventure. No, you can't do that. <laughs> Why not? That's <laughs> copyright, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know. They could be like, oh, did, did someone else already do that one? <laughs> I didn't see that. Uh, budget of $125 million. Worldwide gross $1.34 billion. 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 So, is this the highest? Absolutely. By a long shot. By like a, what, $400,000. Do you mean $400 million? <laughs> No, it's still by 400000 It's just more than that as well. <laughs> by at least 400000 <laughs> By at least $3. When it was released, it did set the record of the highest grossing opening weekend ever with $169 million, which was previously held by The Dark Knight. The record was broken again 10 months later by The Avengers, which earned $207 million in its first three days. A true passing of the sword of Gryffindor. Very good. But this did get three Academy Award nominations that year. It got nominated for Best Art Direction, which it lost to Hugo. It got nominated for Best Visual Effects, which it lost to Hugo. And it lost Best Makeup to The Iron Lady. I mean, I'm not arguing with any of them. I'm surprised it didn't get nominated for more. You know, like, like a Thanks for the Franchise Return of the King style nominations. Yeah, but with, with Return of the King, that won literally everything. Harry Potter actually didn't win a single Oscar in any of its eight films. It's a good bit of trivia. You should ask Thank it you. one day, Hendo. You. you should be like, okay, out of the how many? <laughs> out of the thirty Oscars Harry Potter franchise was nominated for, how many did it win? And hopefully they did not listen to this episode. It's highly likely. <laughs> <laughs> but let's take a look at the history of Deathly Hallows Part Two in the IMDB Top Two Fifty list. This debuted into the list on the 14th of July at number 207 and then catapulted three days later to number 67. That's its peak. That's not exactly a high peak, is it? If you look at a lot of films, a lot of popular films that that blast under the top 250, 
you know, hitting 67 is not is not that high, is it? No, I think that's pretty good. You see a lot of films like, I mean, there obviously are exceptions, like you look at Parasite and Joker, but you look at a lot of other films that kind of circle into like the, I say, 120 range that sort of shut out maybe a couple of weeks later. What are you referring to here? Marriage Story? Yeah, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, Mission Impossible Fallout, A Star is Born, I Can Keep Going. All great movies, almost. Almost, <laughs> with the exception of one. <laughs> so after it hit 67, it did drop down pretty considerably over the course of the rest of the year to where it hovered into the uh, between the 200 to 250 range. Where, and that is basically where it has stood for the last nine years. Hasn't left the list ever. It's just hovered in that area to where it currently sits right now at number 218 with an 8.0 average over 733,000 ratings. So it's looking pretty safe for a few years. I reckon I don't see it going anywhere. All right, mate, we're at the end of the journey here. Why don't we crack into it? Our breakdown of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. And what do we get? We get a reminder of Part 1. <laughs> the instant replay, which does yes. not work so well if you're going to watch these films back to back, which honestly, I imagine a lot of people watching these nowadays would watch them back to back. You're pretty weird not to now. It'd be odd sitting down to watch Deathly Hallows and just turning it off at Part 1. So, yep, that's enough. Let's uh, pack it in. Uh, we'll watch part two next week. Like, what? But this is uh, this has really become quite the dark, uh, dark franchise, I must say here. Very dark. They've forgotten their base audience. I feel <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> well, I feel like their base audience has grown up with these films. This is ten years later. So if you get like your ten-year-olds watching this one at the start, you get some twenty-year-olds watching this now. Yes, they do still want to bring in new younger audiences. I don't think they've had a problem with that. Yeah, fair point. Fair point. You got Snape watching over Hogwarts here. It's like a bloody army now, isn't it? How good is Snape as headmaster, though? I mean, he he doesn't really do much of a job, does he? I love that it keeps in line with the every single year has a different dark arts teacher. <laughs> That's true, actually, isn't it? Because it's not like Snape was going to leave leave the school in this one. But uh, yeah, they still. Well, he's not the dark arts teacher anymore. I should say defense against the dark arts, but I feel like in and under Snape's tutelage, uh, it probably it's the would. Dark arts. Yeah, it would just be all right. This is your dark arts lesson. <laughs> I must say, Snape, Alan Rickman does look very sad here. Yeah, well, he's not the cheeriest person overall, is he? No, he's not. But we are going to find out that underneath all this, it's not like he's enjoying what's going on now. This isn't him no. finally succeeding and getting what he wants. Like this is this would be a nightmare for him. Seeing seeing the I guess the the culmination of Snape here. Culmination. Really? Yes, I knew you were going for that. <laughs> really makes you look at it and go, okay, you know what? I need to go back and watch all these films again. Perfect setup by Harry Potter here. Are you serious? You watch this, what? you watch you watch Snape's story unfold here and you say, you know, I really want to go back to a Philosopher's Stone when he's just, you think he's the overall bad guy of that film. It, that's definitely what I wanted to do when I saw it the first time. I'm like, oh, I've not been paying attention to this Snape guy this entire time like this. Now I have all this stuff revealed to me. I'm like, it'd be interesting to go back and see what it's like knowing this. I mean, how do you feel, obviously, when we've rewatched the franchise now, you knew the whole time that Snape was ultimately going to turn out to be a good guy. Yeah. D- did you feel like watching it again has had any impact knowing that Snape's a good guy? Yeah, because I felt more sympathetic for him. I kind of like not knowing because it makes the reveal so much better. But does it make it? Does this make this movie any like worse that you know this? Uh, I mean, what, what do you mean? Does it make the movie worse? I mean, it, it's I mean, a twist. Like you, you watch it. You watch it's it the twist first time. Like any and you're other like, movie. Oh, this was fantastic. And then you watch it this time. You're like, oh, I already knew that. It's kind of uh, soured. Soured this film for oh, me. Oh no, definitely not. It doesn't make well, you. There you go. It doesn't really make you reassess how you look at the film. 
does it? But but I think we're getting a bit too far ahead of ourselves here because Snape's not really a focal point at this moment. What do we got? We got ah oh, poor Dobby. We uh we got to see Dobby's grave, of course. <laughs> yeah, real, let's start trying to pull on those heartstrings again. They really, yeah. they really should have just put put a couple of scenes at the start of this film instead of having them at the back of number one. Although, can you imagine <laughs> if there was no Voldemort getting the Elder Wand and Dobby dying at the end of one? So how does how does part one end? Where they they're trapped under uh, in the prison under Bellatrix and Lucius. That's how it ends. To be continued with Hermione getting tortured. <laughs> I mean, it's dark. You're saying the franchise is getting dark. Imagine if the credits came up to the noises of Hermione screaming. Holy shit. Like, damn. (laughs) (laughs) Mommy? Surely surely this all gets better. Let's get a part two. Dobby's dead. Like, oh, shit. (laughs) Oh, come on. (laughs) Can't we torture Hermione again? All right, so we get our, our group of, of, you know, school kids here mourning the death of Dobby. And who comes to rescue them, Hendo? John Hurt? <laughs> <laughs> Warwick uh, Davis? <laughs> well, he's, he's with them too. But we get, we get Bill and Fleur back, don't we? Oh, Domino Gleeson. Domino Gleeson indeed. Uh <laughs> But no, we get, uh, what does Harry need to do here? He needs to talk to the goblin. (laughs) So I didn't know his name at this point in my notes. So I was just writing Jared, the goblin king. Really? I was writing uh, Warwick Davis. Of course you were. But did you learn his name eventually, Hendo? No. It was Grip Hook. Ah, that Uh, memorable character. Yes. And of course, well, he's actually from the first Harry Potter film, The Philosopher's Stone. Is he the one that takes him through the vault? Yeah, he's the one that takes him to Harry's vault in the first movie. Oh, well, there you go. Good yeah, on him. Good for him indeed. Bringing this whole franchise around full circle. Now we get some discussion here about they got to break into Bellatrix Lestrange's vault. Yeah, in Gringotts, which sounds... I mean, you'd think it would be almost impossible, but they kind of get through it pretty easily, don't you think? You're saying this is a Mission Impossible? Should have played that music. Would have felt a little out of place. I feel well, like Hermione putting on a Bellatrix Lestrange mask. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a connection I can get around. <laughs> Who needs a polyjuice potion when you're part of uh, IMF? That's right. But no, Griphook is very fascinated with Harry. Uh, how does he get the sword? So there's all this talk about a fake sword was made. Did you did you keep up with this discussion, Hendo? Uh, all I understood was that the goblins knew which one was fake and which one wasn't. The fake one is not the one that Harry has, and yep, that's it. So Snape put a fake sword in Bellatrix's vault. All right, cool. Working for Dumbledore. Yeah. The ultimate puppet master. Is, is it? A, if that's the case, and they've just learnt this, why do they not start to think, hmm, why did he put a fake one in there? If who's learnt this? Didn't Harry just learn this? Yeah. So why doesn't he start to think, why did he put a fake one in there? Didn't he put one in there because Dumbledore got Snape to switch it with the real one? Yeah, but if... Harry's finding out about this now that Snape is doing something to, you know, heed Bellatrix's plans or whatever. Why does he start to think, oh, is he actually working for them? Well, firstly, Snape killed Dumbledore. That's sort of a hard thing to get over, not knowing that he was going to die anyway and Dumbledore told him to. So I don't think, no matter what, at this point, Harry is thinking, gee, maybe that Snape guy is actually a stand-up dude. He's a pretty cool dude. Um, Also, we don't know that Snape knows it's a fake sword. Snape might be thinking that it's just... 
uh, the the Gryffindor sword that he's putting in there. Uh, okay, so it's not it's not implied that Snape knew it was a fake and put it in there. Yeah, I think the implication isn't there. Okay, well that that makes sense then. But if we're going to talk about Warwick Davis the Goblin coming back from the first movie. Why not get a little John Hurt action back from the first film? Of course, Ollivander. <laughs> I, I, this guy I, knows his wands. Yeah, I do like, as unbelievable as it is that he remembers every bit of wand. Also, how the hell does he tell what, you know, hair is the core of particular wands? That's... He's worked with wands his entire life. He knows everything. I do like the way the wands' descriptions match their owners. Like, Bellatrix, unyielding. <laughs> <laughs> But it's here when we really start to learn about wand uh, ownership and how important yes. that is. Yeah. It really? hasn't been brought up at all before, has it? No. And considering how many times all these kids have expelliarmist each other, I feel like it would have been a much bigger point throughout the years. So, just just thinking about it now, I think back in the Order of the Phoenix, Sirius Black, I believe, disarms Lucius. And then Bellatrix kills Sirius. So doesn't that mean that the wand is now Bellatrix? Exactly my point. Hmm. There are issues with this thing. Yes. But I, I, I did appreciate the pathetic attempt they made to tie it back to, no, we always knew this, when they <laughs> quote that line from the Philosopher's Stone like, The wand chooses the wizard, Mr. Potter. I was like, get the fuck out of here. That is not the same thing to what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> this was the wand of Draco Malfoy. <laughs> It's like, how do you know that? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's like, surely you, I can understand. Okay, I can buy that this wand seller remembers every single wand he's ever sold. How would he know once it's left the shop what happens to it? And when he talks about the Elder Wand later, and it's like, if, if Voldemort has it, you're pretty much screwed. Shouldn't he know that it's actually Harry's at this point now? If he knew, if he can tell that the other one is not Draco's anymore? I guess he's got to examine the elder one to know. Oh, he's got to have a, he's got, yeah, he's got to have a, a good look at it. Get the get the fingerprint scan on it. Mm. But they're going to go a little, uh, like I said, Mission Impossible, little Ocean's Eleven style here to break into Gringotts. Yeah, Hermione has one of Bellatrix's hairs. Of course, mm-hmm. she does. Yep. Yep. How convenient. Yep. I know. If I was getting tortured, I'd be trying to pluck a hair from my torturer. Yeah, what you do? Pocket it. Doesn't just happen to be on her dress or whatever it is afterwards. And then he's like, and then Ron's like. Are you sure it's hers? She's like, 100% positive. Like, what? <laughs> Haven't you already learnt your mistake from when you turned into a cat? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very funny moment, though, when Hermione first goes to, what is it, Diagon Alley? Maybe it's Nocturne Alley. Um, and happily says hello to someone. <laughs> yeah. So, and the guy does a double take, like, what? <laughs> so you've essentially got Helena Bottom Carter acting like Emma Watson, who's acting like Hermione, acting like Bellatrix at this point. Yeah, that is gen- generally how the Polyjuice Potion works, Endo. Yeah, she puts in a, a good performance pretending to be like that. Yeah, I thought I thought Eleanor Bottom Carter was really good here. She is. Super, super coy heading into this bank. Not really not really the best. <laughs> She's creeping around. I'm not sure that uh, Hermione's disguise holds a candle, though, to one Ronald Weasley's. Oh, what is this? <laughs> the, sli- the slightly longer hair, so, you know... The, Beard. The, the hair of Goblet of Fire, basically. <laughs> a pathetic half-beard. I was like, oh, yeah, no one, no one will tell it to you. Mate, you could just walk in as you. No one cares about you, Ron Weasley. Yes, no one gives a <laughs> shit, okay? <laughs> so, the, the goblin here who is saying, you can't go into the vault, you need to show me your wand. She's like, why do I have to do that? 
she has the wand, doesn't she? Why can't she just show him? Because the goblins know that Bellatrix has lost her wand. Griphook whispers to her. Then why does he keep insisting? Because they need to get in there? No, why does the goblin keep on keep insisting, you need to show me the wand or you can't get in? Well, I think it's basically like, if she does produce the wand, then they know it's not her. Eh. But what I don't get is, when we learnt about the, you know, imperious curse, we also learnt about, you know, the Cruciatus curse, Avada Kedavra. They are the unforgivable curses. These are the curses that if anyone ever does instant sentence to Azkaban. You got our hero, Mr. Harry Potter here, just casually imperiousing the the goblin guy. Like it's nothing. It is nothing now. There's so many of these curses going through. So many of Atacadavra's going through this buddy movie. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Surely a bank like this should have some sort of security measure to stop, you know, someone trying to rob it to literally just using a spell to get in. Well, they have security measures down down in the vault there with the big water that rushes over any spells. Yeah, and why Surely do they... An alarm system? Why do they do that once they're halfway towards a vault? Surely it should be like a metal detector when you walk in. Like all the curses wash away. Yeah, straight away. Why, why do they wait till you're halfway there? Because then they can drop them into a massive pit and kill them. Yeah, because that worked out so well. <laughs> That's true. Kind of convenient how easily they fall down and they're fine, first of all, but then they're exactly where they need to be. They get to this dragon, this big security device dragon, and they easily get past by shaking this rattle in front of it. Where'd they get that rattle? Was it in front of them when they got there? Yeah. Like, was it on the wall? So what is the point of having the dragon there if the thing that will stop the dragon is right there when you get there? I don't know, but haven't we already kind of used this this uh, device of getting by a huge scary beast by playing music? I mean, that's the only way it is. Big beasts, they, they don't like music. Uh, do you remember what I'm referring to? I believe you're referring to the three-headed dog from yeah, the first film. Exactly. Yeah, playing the harp. Yeah, I remember some things. Wow. Oh. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> quietly impressed. Quietly? Maybe not quietly. Quiet about it then. <laughs> <laughs> so they get into the uh, the vault here, and the room basically does. Oh, how funny! You know, an Aladdin. Yeah, how funny! No, no, no. How funny is they get in the room and they're just like Accio Horcrux. <laughs> 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 like surely you'd just you'd be doing that on the beach. Like, all right, we need some Horcruxes. Let's just yeah. Accio Horcrux in every direction and wait a few days. <laughs> How did they know there was even a Horcrux in this vault? Are you saying there isn't an actual explanation in this film as to why it is? I believe it's, oh, there's probably one in there. So let's risk our lives to check. I I mean, they're risking their lives to get to all of them anyway. I mean, what else do they have to lose? So they actually knew that there was one in here. There wasn't a... You know, a flashback or a uh, a vision from Harry, like what happens later? Mm, Unsure. (laughs) Yeah, but all the multiplying treasures here... Is it's that, an interesting is that scene. Like, is that like Aladdin? No, I mean, it's like they go into the vault, don't touch anything, or the whole oh, thing's going to fall apart. The Cave of Wonders. Yeah. It's kind of similar in a way, if you think about it a little bit, vaguely, 1%. Sure. Yeah. You've had worse takes. I don't doubt that. But what actually causes all the multiplying of all the things? Touching them. Okay. Let's say Bellatrix is strolling into her vault one day to grab something quickly. What, well, like... Oh. I don't maybe get it. The, maybe the curse is not set on her because it, it's her stuff. So as soon as she touches it, it's fine. Ah, magic. <laughs> <laughs> that is just the answer. It's always the answer. Magic. This doesn't make any sense. Ah, but have you considered magic? Boom. Ooh. <laughs> yes, nailed it. I did like that the dragon actually kills a goblin. That was cool. Yeah, it was fine. The other one got away. Sneaky bastard. I promised I'd get you in. I didn't tell you I'd get you out. Ooh. 
Can never trust a goblin. dirty bastard. I did find it funny how all the goblins are working upstairs and they hear this little rumble and then bang, out comes this big dragon. Sure, and just a just a nice big dragon riding, right, you know, flying up in the air through London. No big fucking deal there. What, what what do you think this is, Harry Potter three? Like this is you're allowed to do what you want now yeah. in front of Muggles. It doesn't the, matter. The rules are the rules are quite uh, free these days. Well, desperate times, Hendo. Desperate times. Pretty good little flash, flashback, flash sideways scene. Of, flash together. Yeah, of Voldemort knowing about all the Horcruxes now that Harry knows, and just killing everyone at Gringotts, and you see the bodies of everyone there. Yeah, including. That, that goblin's name you said, Warwick Davis. <laughs> Grip Hook. That's the one. Serves yeah. him right. No, but they decide to head back to Hogwarts, figuring that there should be, well, there might be a Horcrux there. But they can't go in through the front. It's too risky. They got to go in through, I guess, the back door. Where's the back door? Hogsmeade. You, uh, you're talking like I didn't just watch this yesterday. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Yes, they go to Hogsmeade and they're in trouble because there's a curfew and there's obviously spells and security set up where if anyone's outside, then they they go crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But thankfully, Aberforth is there to save them. Yeah, but he's not he's not the you know, the friendly, fluffy kind of Dumbledore. He's definitely the grumpy why are you here kind of Dumbledore. Yeah, he's definitely more Dumbledore from Goblet of Fire versus Dumbledore <laughs> from Philosopher's Stone, isn't he? I kinda like Aberforth though, I gotta say. He's he's puts things to Harry in a way that Harry really hasn't thought about before. It's like, oh he my brother like it is. My brother gave you a mission, did he? Easy, was it? <laughs> <laughs> like fuck you <laughs> we finally get that mirror uh conundrum or problem or mystery solved yeah i don't think they did that well enough throughout this film or the last one yeah it was just so minor i thought they didn't really like i think you saw maybe one quick shot of it in this movie i think early on at the start where he's he's flipping the mirror back and forth i think it's actually on the beach so i, I didn't really pay too much attention to it so when they're like oh this is the this is the the mirror that we had this thing for and i'm like huh <laughs> What's that now? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't. I, I feel like it was a much uh, much bigger deal in the books that you got Dumbledore looking at them all the time in this mirror and Harry's wondering what the hell's going on. I'll tell you something that's really interesting, and I think we've already touched on this way back in the start of the Harry Potter franchise, is the, the paintings. We've got the sister Ariana here, and you talk about, oh, she's been dead for, you know, long, long time now. They're interacting with her in the painting. It's like she's still there with them. Having a chat, doing, you know, helping him out. Maybe the painting, and bear with me, is a horcrux. No. Everything is a horcrux. May as well be. <laughs> yeah. Just, I would just take one of those snake tooth and just stab everything that I could see. <laughs> everything and anything. It's not a snake tooth, by the way. Oh, what is it? It's a basilisk fang. All right. You're just making fancy words for snake tooth. <laughs> like if I wrote down snake tooth on, like in Word and highlighted went to the thesaurus, it would come up with basilisk Bang. The same thing, Dean. Okay. I feel like they really do brush over stuff that was really important in the book, or at least made out to be really important about Dumbledore's, you know, childhood and younger years growing up. Like they really brush over the Ariana stuff, his friendship and, you know, potential lover in Grindelwald. Well, they're saving those for the Fantastic Beast films. God, I always forget about those movies. Are they still do making them? Do we have them? to do those films? Oh god, no. <laughs> God, no. We've got to complete the full set, Dean. Tell you what, we'll start doing the Fantastic Beasts franchise when they release a good Fantastic Beasts movie, okay? 
Well, I haven't seen either, so I can't judge. Oh, you are missing out. They're very, very good. It's got Eddie Redmayne in it. You like him? Not even a little bit. No. It's also got that actress in it. Oh, yeah. I think she's in Inherent Vice. Is it uh, Catherine Waterston? Waterston? I don't know. Oh, you I don't know her at all? I don't know who you're talking about. Oh, the very well-known actress. Oh, clearly. She was in that uh, Fantastic Beast film. Anyway, let's let's get reintroduced to the new and improved Neville Longbottom here. Neville Longbottom, he's he's uh, he's come a long way, hasn't he? He's a badass. He's the new he leader. Is. He's the new Harry Potter of Hogwarts. He's the body man in this film. Takes him through the hidden tunnel here into Hogwarts. Yeah, and everyone's so happy to see Harry. Of course you are. But I do love that Harry is just like, all right, we've got to find something here. What is it? No idea. Where is it? I wouldn't have a clue. Not much to go on. There's nothing to go on. <laughs> <laughs> I love when Ginny comes around the corner, get the nice interaction with Harry, and Ron's like, dude, my bloody sister. I haven't seen her in six months. You think she'd be interested? <laughs> oh, she's interested. <laughs> <laughs> but we get back to a bit of Snape action here, basically lining them all up, giving them, uh, giving them the threats, and he's, you know, classic Snape dialogue. Yeah, did you like this hero moment for Harry when he steps out from the crowd? I mean, how long has he been there? Since they all walked in. Surely people would have noticed. I mean, he's not... We learnt about this last week in Hallows Part 1. You can't just strut around looking like Harry Potter and not and expect no one to notice. What do you want me to say, Dean? Magic. Explain it away with magic. I must say, Daniel Radcliffe, pretty good here. How dare you stand where he stood? <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> You know what? I can just dare you. (laughs) (laughs) And you can just imagine Snape there going, damn it! Just just listen, please! Uh, But, like, what was Snape planning on doing here when he starts battling, you know, the teachers and stuff? Like, let's say he wins this battle and he gets Harry. Captures Harry. What what does he do with Harry there? Does he actually attack? I feel like he just defends off all McGonagall's uh, spells back at him until until he runs away. Okay. He doesn't run away, Endo. Oh, he flies away. He doesn't fly away either. Oh, what does he do then? He apparates away. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually supposed to be Snape versus Harry in this scene, but J.K. Rowling said that it should involve the same characters in the novel, so they went back to McGonagall. And it's a key moment for her too. She gets to stand up and take on Snape. It's a great moment. And it's also you the, know, the head of Gryffindor against the old head of Slytherin. It's good. Good stuff. But Voldemort's had enough. Basically gets in everyone's head. Why didn't he do this earlier? Do what? Get into everyone's head. Start making them scream and go crazy. Telling them all, we're going we're gonna to take you on. Get ready. Here we go. Okay. But he has a reason for doing it now. He's telling them, give me Harry Potter. What, what do you mean do it earlier? What moment would you think would be good for him to get in everyone's head? Earlier to tell them, anyone, you need to give me Harry Potter. But they didn't have him until then. How does he know that now? So you're saying you would have liked to see a scene where Voldemort says to everyone, right, if you give me Harry, I won't kill you all. You have one hour. And these poor Kents are just sitting there like, hey, we actually don't have him. What do you want me to do? These poor Kents. You're missing the point. (laughs) I mean, if he knows now that he is at Hogwarts, I mean, why didn't he do that before when he entered the underground area? before. How? How did he not know? If he's in Harry's head, how does he now? How does he know he's now? Not as opposed in to Harry's head. So how does he know that he's there? Because Snape knows. He just left like a second ago. That's how magic works. Oh, does it? Thank you. I've been trying to figure it's out how like, magic works. It's not like Snape has to run, run, run. Has to run, <laughs> run multiple kilometers 
or Miles uh, to just get to Voldemort. He just does his little apparition spell and boom, he's with Voldy. Good old Voldy. I feel like you really have struggled to grasp the simplicity of magic here, Hendo. You can yes, literally yes. do whatever you want all the time. That's all you I need, think need to do. need to go back and watch the franchise again. Do they explain it better in Fantastic Beasts? Uh, I believe the sequel, Crimes of Grindelwald, they explain it really well. I thought you said it was Crimes of Grindelwald. Yeah, I'm still undecided whether I do the V for Ws or not. I think if I alternate, then I'm I'm right on both counts. How good is it that McGonagall sends the Slytherin house down to the dungeon? Sick of all their shit. Get out of here. <laughs> like, wouldn't it suck if you're like a really like genuinely nice guy or girl put in Slytherin? You said there were no good or go- good guys or girls in Slytherin. I mean, Harry was nearly put into Slytherin. Excuse me, I said this once before, and you said there are no good people in Slytherin. That's not true. Snape is Slytherin, and he's one of the bravest men I've ever met. So you were lying. How'd you meet him? <laughs> good bloke? <laughs> he's something. Oh, and if we didn't know how much of a useless twat old uh, Filch is, in he comes. They're in the hallways. So like, They're supposed to be in the hallways. You're so far behind. Get with the program. Do you feel like he was warranted to get a, a callback for this movie after missing Hello's part one? <laughs> <laughs> Did everyone everyone see him run out like, you know, that filch way that he runs and was like, oh yeah, how good was that last movie when you weren't invited? Where was he, where was he during the battle, cleaning up the mess? Because you do see him very briefly at the end trying to sweep up some rubble. Yeah, if only there was an easier way these magicians, sorry, wizards, <laughs> uh, could actually clean up rubble. <laughs> could you imagine his job? Like, he sees it like something really disgusting or dirty to pick up. He's like, can one of you assholes just magic this shit away, please? No, he'd be like, he'd see a spill and be like, right, no one magic this better. I'm going to get a mop, <laughs> I'm going to come back, and this spill is still going to be here. I must I need justify to be my job. <laughs> this is all I have. But they're getting ready for battle here. McGonagall's setting up all the, the big statues surrounding Hogwarts. Yeah, she has that that uh, pretty decent line. I've always wanted to use that spell. <laughs> Classic what else McGonagall. They, do? They, they set up the big uh, Wakanda dome. I mean, how is it like the Wakanda dome? Infinity War? No. I'm... The big dome around it? Come on. Dome? Stops things from getting in? A dome. Yeah. What did you say? Dumb. Do you want me to cut that out for you? <laughs> I mean, you do what you got to do. Uh. I'll follow suit. But Harry's not. Harry doesn't have time for this. He doesn't have time for battle. He needs to destroy these Horcruxes because he knows he can't kill Voldemort at this point. So what? What is the point of this battle? He needs to weaken him. He needs to keep going and destroying these Horcruxes. So he heads off to see Helena Ravenclaw. And we got to get a bit of Luna Lovegood in here too. She needs to be part of this film. Of course, she's a beloved character at this point. So she's the only one with a bit of sense. Yeah, she needs to. Yeah, she definitely helps helps Harry here, but. We need to find the lost diadem of Ravenclaw. Now, diadem. You couldn't just say tiara. Like, aren't they the same thing? Are they? I don't know. I guarantee everyone reading this book would be like, what the fuck is a diadem? They need to make it more eerie and suspicious, more ambiguous as to what it is. Because if they go, oh, it's this tiara, then they're like, well, we don't know what it looks like. Well, it's a fucking tiara. Yeah. Maybe they can't have the big, bad, you know, masculine villain of Harry Potter putting part of himself <laughs> in this girly tiara. <laughs> like, I had a life once before that you do not know about. Dumbledore? <laughs> oh, I don't know. And when I saw it here, I was like, what the fuck is going on? I don't know how this was written in the book, but seeing Ron speak parcel tongue. Oh, where what, did that come from? What was this? 
And his and- excuse is, oh, oh yeah. sharing a room with Harry, you hear it all night long. Like, what? <laughs> so, really? Hey, Harry talks in his sleep. Okay, but I think you've still got to say, like, know what you're saying. You can't just hiss a few times and it opens up. Yeah, that was a bit weak sauce there. That was very weak sauce, Hendo. Is that in the same in the book? I, j- I started this whole thing by saying I don't know how it I is I wasn't in the listening book, to you. But I wasn't listening. But no, they opened the Chamber of Secrets, and you thought the Chamber of Secrets was standalone. Come on, Hendo. Well, they bring everything back in these two-part films, don't they? I feel like Chamber of Secrets, when you take into account the basilisk, basilisk fang... Kind of is one of the most important parts of the series. Yeah, it starts off with the Horcrux as well. You got one in there, Tom Riddle. There's a lot more to it than uh, what I initially thought. That's why it went up for me on a rewatch. There's old Neville at the back door of Hogwarts, Hogwarts here, acting all big and tough. Oh, no, 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 no. We're not at that. They destroy another bloody Horcrux here, Hendo. <laughs> no, he, he's at the back door and acting all big and tough. Then they destroy the Horcrux. Then Voldemort destroys the dome, and then Neville is standing there all like, oh, shit, now they can get me. So Ron and Hermione Ah. destroy this Horcrux. (laughs) Uh, What was it? The cup. The famous cup that they got from the vault. Yeah. What was the significance of the cup? Did he win that in a Quidditch match? Yeah. Big Quidditch guy. Big sports guy, Tom Riddle. Oh, Tom Tom Riddle, big Quidditch champion. Uh, And then Ron and Hermione make out. Yeah, apparently Emma Watson and Rupert Grint said in several several different interviews that filming that kiss was extremely awkward because they both had grown up with each other. It was like brothers and sisters. <laughs> because it was actually Rupert Grint's first ever kiss. <laughs> it only took six six takes to complete, whereas the kiss between Harry and Ginny took about 10, Ron and Lavender approximately 15, and Harry and Cho took about 30 takes. I Terrible. wonder why. Sorry, sorry, David. We we got sorry, David. We got to do that kiss again. I didn't. I didn't think uh, we did it too well. I feel like I got to give that one another go. Was that your Daniel Radcliffe? Yeah. Hey, nice. Yeah. Brilliant. I am the chosen one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I I never really felt too much chemistry between them. Am I crazy? Yeah. I mean, there hasn't been. I mean, what 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 have they shown with their relationship? It's really started to pick up, like here in this film. Like, there's the there's the. The Yule Ball in Goblet of Fire. The Yule Ball, yeah. There's the, uh, what was the one from? Half-Blood Prince. Half-Blood Prince. There was Lavender Lavender Brown. And the Jealousy, yeah. I mean, it's there. It's 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 there. It's not that much, though. It just seems so mismatched. Oh, Voldy gets a bit mad here and basically runs amok. Yeah, he gets very angry. You kind of, you know, if you're one of the other Death Eaters there, you kind of think, well, why didn't you do that to start with? We've been here trying to (laughs) destroy this shield. For 15 bloody minutes now. <laughs> but doing this kind of doesn't destroy the wand, but it definitely damages it. Does it crack it? Yeah, you get the big lo- big shot of the close-up of the crack forming on the wand. Yeah. That's probably why Harry threw it away later. He's probably it's like broken. had a look and it was like almost falling, you know, split down the middle. And he wanted, oh, to, this act- is useless. He wanted to act real tough in front of Rod and Hermione. He's like, eh, I don't need the elder one. Snap. <laughs> <laughs> you got Neville, well, one of many Neville's Big heroic moments here, blowing up the bridge. And then, you know, of course, you see him fall. It's like, oh, did he make it? Uh, Come on. Of course he made it. You're not Frodo. No one cares that much, mate. (laughs) But we head into the Room of Requirement once again. And it's basically a storage place now. Yeah, I did actually like the moment between Ron and Hermione when Ron is actually useful for the first time in many, many years. And Hermione is just so shocked. It's like, what? (laughs) Um, Oh, because he finally listened to her. (laughs) Uh, the room of requirement doesn't show up on the Marauder's map. 
there. You said that last year, didn't you? So like, yeah, yeah, I did. Wow. Brilliant. She's impressed. Yeah. yeah, a couple of shots of that, actually, where she stops to admire Ron, especially coming up when he starts running after him going, you attacked my girlfriend. She's like, oh, I'm his girlfriend. Yeah. She doesn't say that. She was thinking it, though. No, she's probably like, uh, I'm what uh, now? What? <laughs> I didn't consent to this. <laughs> but even here, you get a bit of bit of Draco. Draco's finally showing up here, but he's still, he's conflicted. You always get conflicted Draco at this point now, especially when you, you tie it back to the part one when Harry's telling him, you knew it was me, but you didn't, you didn't say anything. You kept your mouth shut. Why did you do that? And you see, you see Draco's like, hmm. Like he, he doesn't, he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to kill Harry here. He, he's... He's very reluctant to join the dark side. So what? So why is he here? Like, it's not like he's been accidentally put in the same place that Harry is now. He's sought Harry out. Maybe you summed it up best. He's conflicted. Yeah, I don't think he's fully on the good side now where he's he's just going to leave him alone. He's still... I think he still wants to make his parents proud as well. Like, this is also for his mum, who's... You know, you see in this film, she's very, very caring for him and wants to protect him. And I think, and, and you can see like when he gets there and he, maybe he's following him because he wants his wand back because he knows he's got it. He go, he comes up, he's like, give him my wand. Hey, <laughs> bro, give my wand back. No. Yeah. Well, he's my like, wand oh, now. what you got there? Go speak to Ollivander. <laughs> I've got my my mummy's wand. It's all right. It's not, it's not my wand. I want my wand. All right. But Harry does eventually get the diadem here and the place starts... Catching fire. Because a bloody Goyle. Hey, hey, this guy throws a, a vat of cadaver at uh, Hermione. What an asshole. He doesn't give a shit. He's ready to kill everyone. Imagine if, imagine if, imagine if that's how Hermione died. I mean, I yeah, know she doesn't die, but just, just right now. Killed by yep. Crab or Goyle. Which was it? Goyle. I think it's Goyle. Crab was the one that, didn't he join a cult or something and try to blow up a building? In real life. In real that's life. That's why he's not in the oh, film. Nah. Yeah. I have no idea. He did something really bad. Yeah, but I, I do find it fittingly that Goyle falls into the flames that he created. Anyway, Harry saves Draco. Nice moment there. And who's the other guy? I don't know. I have no idea. Ooh. Ah, this is what it's like to be Dean and trying to get a name of a Harry Potter character out of your co-host. Do you know? No, I'm asking you. Okay, then it's not like being me, okay? Because I know. (laughs) Generally, yes, I ask you you solely for the purpose to try and humiliate you every week. (laughs) I think I got a couple of jabs in every once in a while in these films. I don't don't think you got one in. Anyway, Harry... Harry stabs the diadem, right? How yeah. great is Ralph Fiennes' reaction? <laughs> 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 it's such a weird noise he makes. <laughs> and this one Death Eater, which you got to feel for, he's like, uh, my lord, are you are you okay? I thought I could never... Like, what the fuck? I reckon that was the same bloke from earlier on who was like, uh, do you think we should be attacking you? And he gives him the stare down like, what did you fucking say to me, mate? <laughs> Ah, but old Voldy, he heads on down to see Lucius. And God, Lucius is just a weak piece of shit now, isn't he? I mean, he's he's not the confident man he once was, no. He's seen the error in his ways, Hendo. But Voldemort knows what's going on. He understands what he has to do. So he summons Snape. But before we find out what actually happens there, we get a little run through of Harry, Hermione and Ron running through the battle. How good? See, how good is this scene? It's very, very good. It's not the best, but it's very, very good. Yeah, I love that it brings back like the spiders... Giants, Dementors, Death Eaters. The score's great. It's a really, yep. it's a really good, you know, little scene here. And Lavender poor, dies. Poor Lavender, yeah. Gone. Saw that brief little shot. Unlucky. Yeah. Aberforth comes to help. That was good. I love that. When the big Expecto Patronum comes flying out. The big what? Expecto Patronum. That's not what comes out of his wand, though. That's well, what is the it spell. then? 
Oh, man, you really, you really got to. Because people listening are going to be like, actually, actually, it's not the expected Patronum that comes out of the wand. It's a Patronus. Well, in episode six of the Harry Potter movies, you clearly said that this was wrong. Get out of it, mate. I'm just trying to help you, okay? Nah, I think you're trying to help yourself. But now we get the scene between Snape and Voldemort. Yeah, you can slowly see that Snape really can't get out of this one now. No, nah, he's uh, he's kind of fucked. Uh, yep. Snape says the wand answers to Voldemort. Voldemort says, yeah, I don't think so. No, nah, not happening. Harry, awfully conveniently listening in on this conversation. Right behind the window. Yeah, this is pretty brutal, though. Like, this is the part where I was pretty close to be like, geez, Isabel, like, turn around for a second. Close, close wow. shut your eyes. Strict parenting. This is rough. I was for sure like, all right, everyone, close your eyes. <laughs> that snake is brutal. Oh, just the ma- like the 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 sound and the look from from Harry's position with the snake just whoosh, whoosh, as it's like smashing against the window with the snake. Oh, like ugh, rough and hell. Rough and hell. <laughs> rough and hell. <laughs> yeah, rough and hell indeed, Hendo. <laughs> anyway, Voldemort clears out. Harry goes to see Snape. Snape's crying. Yeah, a couple of little Snape tears. He's definitely trying to squeeze those tears out because, you know, he wants Harry to take some for a memory. I mean, I didn't realise that this is how you take... Like, how is how is, how are tears suddenly a memory? Like, we've seen... Magic. We've seen previously, like, Dumbledore physically taking his wand to his temple and pulling out memories in these silver threads and putting them in the pensive. How is it that tears are suddenly, you know... It's more symbolic. Pensive compatible. Much more symbolic of his sadness. But no, we get some uh, forgive me from Snape. You have your mother's eyes. If I hear that one more time. <laughs> <laughs> we get some more Voldemort voiceover. Good, good, valiant effort, wizards. Now take five and pack up and you know, say goodbye to your fellow dead friends. And uh, we'll reconvene in uh, you know 20 minutes for round two. But Harry, I'm coming for you, buddy. That's basically what he says. In a nutshell. But we get some more fighting here, don't we? Do we? Yeah, we get some big deaths. Some deaths we uh we don't really see. We just see the aftermath of it. Yes, Fred. Yep. Really, I wish that we actually saw this death. He's a big, pretty big character from all the other movies. I wouldn't is, mind. Is he pretty actually- big? I think he is. He's in every film. Is he not? I mean, probably. I think they could have paid the man some respects and seen something that. The spell hitting him dead is like, oh shit! I always He's felt, dead. I always felt it was a bit of a cheap, you know, cheap one to kill one of the identical twins. Like you've always got the other one. Was it George in part one who like nearly died? I think so. He got his ear blown yeah. off or something. Yeah, switch it around. Fred, Fred's the one that dies. I mean, it's sad. Oh, Weasley family's having a bit of a sook. I really didn't mind it too much. What about the the smash cut to Remus and Tonks? See, I was more upset about Remus. That's a big loss. Yeah, I feel like they I feel like they did Remus dirty after Prisoner of Azkaban. I mean, they were never going to get back to those glorious heights, were they? No, but he was such a big part of, you know, Harry in Prisoner of Azkaban that he basically just Harry's walking through and just sees them, he's like, hmm, okay. They're dead. <laughs> Moving on. I gotta go find I gotta go get some Snape memory in me. And that's exactly what he does, isn't it, Dean? Goes and gets those tears. Yeah, he, he, uh, he, you know, puts those tears to good use. And we go and we see Snape's nicely packaged uh, high school memories. Well, actually, we see it before school, don't we? Yeah, like when Snape, they're very, very young. Yeah, Snape and Lily are friends before Hogwarts. But James, James Potter, bit of a, a bad boy of Hogwarts. Yeah, with the old shoulder bump. 
Dropping yeah. the books. Ooh. I mean, there's no better way to tell the audience which person is the bully by, you know, bumping someone and them dropping their books. I mean, you couldn't have said it better. There is actually no better way. Actually, I do have a bit of trivia about this. It wasn't long after Alan Rickman started playing Snape that J.K. Rowling told him some of the character secrets about Snape that would not be otherwise revealed until the last book. So he he knew what was coming before anyone else did, even before like half the directors. So he basically had had carte blanche from Rowling. At, at the, direct, the directors knew about this, where they would start to give him some sort of character development. In certain ways, he's like, nah, nah, we, I need to be doing these sort of things. He was basically directing the way that Snape would be perceived throughout these films. That's great. There's a lot of confidence um, being placed in Alan Rickman. I mean, it pays off. I mean, Rickman is superb in this film and as Snape in general. Yeah, absolutely. And now we see... Uh, we see Snape talking to Dumbledore, and this is my... Excellent! Wow, after eight films, I think we've got something finally right together. Excellent! Yeah, this this Alan Rickman performance here is so amazing. Like, we're seeing him just so, so desperate, like, and angry at Dumbledore. Like, you said you would keep them safe. It's great. And seeing, like, Snape's truth, you know, seeing Snape open and honest, it's refreshing. And him saying, oh, I love, I love him saying, like, no one can ever know. And Dumbledore's just like, what, the very best of you, Severus? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it was such a, a touching moment, especially when you see Snape heading up to the top of the stairs. And then when he comes around the corner and he sees poor Lily dead on the ground. And, man, Snape, Alan Rickman's reaction yeah. to seeing her is just, oh, it is heartbreaking. Yeah. No, and it- when he does his Patronus and it's, and it's a... Nice. What is it? A, a doe? A doe, yeah, yeah, and even and that like that reaction from Dumbledore was like Lily. After all this time, always. Oh, always. God, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> no, it's it, it's really, really, really good. And we learn also that Harry must die here, and Snape needs to tell him at the right moment that Harry's got to die. Yeah, because he himself is a Horcrux. And the only way to kill Voldemort is to kill all the Horcruxes. But we get Harry now armed with this massive piece of information that not only he has to die to, you know, help kill Voldemort, but no, that's pretty much it. He's got to die. So that just provides him with so much confidence. Is it about here where we find out that the, uh, damn it, I can't remember the snake's name. He is also a Horcrux. Nagini. That's the one. And we basically, yeah, those are the last two Horcruxes left. Yes. I was a bit uh, perplexed at the scene where Harry's got to tell his two best friends, Ron and Hermione, that he's about to die. Ron is literally in the background, silent. No reaction. Hermione hugs Harry. It's like, come on. It is Ron. They are best friends. It's just, ah, oh well. You'll be right, mate. Nice knowing you. But he heads out to the Forbidden Forest, pulls the gem out of the snitch and... All the uh, the force ghosts show up here. The gem, the resurrection stone. Yeah, sure. I mean, like, so who have you got ghosts. here? <laughs> yes. <laughs> who you got, got here? You got Sirius. Here? Yeah, you've got uh, Lupin. You've got Lupin. Uh, Tonks, Lily and is James. Tonks, is Tonks there? No, not Tonks. It's it's those four. Oh. So where's Dumbledore? Where's Snape? I don't think Snape would have anything nice to say. You don't want Snape and James in the same room together, do you? Nice to see you again, James Potter. What about Dumbledore, though? Sure, but, you know, he's, he's going to get his big scene coming up soon. Maybe they don't need him here right now. Yeah. All right, so Harry goes to Voldemort. We see Hagrid. 
Oh yeah, he just popped. Oh, they didn't set that up. Like, I forgot he wasn't no, even here. Doing? I forgot he wasn't even here. Like, oh yeah, forgot about him. Hagrid was a character at one point. <laughs> Nobody stands his ground, man. I I love I love Ralph finds his. It's so good. Oh, it's great. And then you get Potter and Dumbledore having a chat at having a chat at the train station with a little dirty old baby Voldemort. Baby Voldemort. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, this is a bit different, isn't it? Yeah, just a bit. What do you make of the scene? I mean, it's fine. It's it's you've got to have a scene like this. Uh, Yeah, it's as good as it could be. It's not great. It's a bit. Yeah, I don't mind it. It's okay. Not a standout for me, but it's good. Like I think Michael Gambon. Is really good in this scene as Dumbledore. They have a good conversation. But you, you do, I, I'm, I'm watching this at this point. I'm like, okay, let, let's get back to it. I want to get back to the point where he's going to come back alive. We know, we know that's happening. Let's, uh, let's move on from this part. Yeah, I agree. So he goes back and he's still lying on the floor and he's pretending to be dead. Dead. And Narcissa is the one who goes to check on him. I mean, at least, at least someone checks. You know. Actually, I'm glad I rewatched this a second time because I didn't kind of understand what had happened here. I feel, I didn't hear that she asked him if Draco was still alive. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when he gives the nod and that's when she decides, right, I'm not telling Voldemort that surely Harry's alive. Surely, even if Harry himself had Avada Kedavra the fuck out of Draco an hour ago in the room of requirement, right? Surely you'd still nod. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's sweet. He's sweet. <laughs> We're pals now. <laughs> so is, is Draco alive? No, I killed him. I killed him. <laughs> <laughs> I killed Draco. No! <laughs> Murderer! <laughs> now, a big somber, sad moment here as Hagrid's up bringing Harry's supposed dead body back to Hogwarts. Harry Potter is dead! How ridiculous does Voldemort look when he's happy? <laughs> There's something yeah, not right weird, about weird it. Weird smile. It's a weird smile, especially when they they coerce Draco to come back over to that side, and just his awkward. Oh, the hug. Like, weird. Yeah, that was actually impro- that was an improvisation by Ralph Fine. So Tom Felton's reaction was like, uh, like it was <laughs> it was genuine because he didn't know what else to do. <laughs> Draco, good boy. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, then Neville, Neville, Neville. 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 Yeah. Never walked Never, over. Uh, well, I must say, I'd hope for better. <laughs> like, surely. On, mate. Surely, if you have one of the leaders of the, the teenagers at the school come forward to, you know, supposedly cross over to the dark side, you don't immediately make fun of him. <laughs> Voldemort can't help himself, though. Well, Neville picked up some balls on the way, didn't he? Certainly did. Yeah. Pulls the sword of Gryffindor out of the hat yet again. That's when Harry decides, all right, let's go. Let's do it. He's alive. And uh, Voldemort shits himself. Yeah, I love that the and Death get Eaters. Round two. I love that Death Eaters just start, you know, leaving. Yeah. Like, nah, we're done with this. Yeah, you can't I'm even kill Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, when Harry uh, revealed that he was still alive at Hogwarts, uh, the originally originally Draco was meant to break ranks with the Death Eaters and throw Harry's wand, and that scene was actually filmed but wasn't included in the final edit. Fair enough. Yeah, but what do they do instead? They just leave. Equally as uh, exciting. Well, you, you don't think it would have been better for Draco to, you know, come over to the good side and throw him the wand? I mean, it's unnecessary. We're, we're done with Draco now. We're not, though. We see him at the end. That's why I said now. Like, for now, we're done. But he's going to come All back right. for All his right. important finale. <laughs> let's go Let's go to Potter v. Voldemort round two. Yeah. Uh, it's good. 
It is good. It didn't go on for too long, which was nice. No. Well, before we get to that, though, we've got to get to Mrs. Weasley being a bad-ass bitch. I mean, she's only bad-ass because she says the word bitch. That's true. Just definitely iconic. Got, definitely got uh, Ellen Ripley vibes there. Get away from her, you bitch. I did not make that connection. Well, unfortunate for you. Bellatrix doesn't really put up that much of a fight here. No, someone no, is such a, you know, a overly formidable to uh, get destroyed by Mrs. Weasley. Am I right? No. It's like a couple of jabs and bang, explodes. Like, doesn't even, well, like, yeah. where's the Avada Kedavra? It's just a few bangs no. and gone. I wanted to see a Mrs. Weasley. <laughs> How awesome is the Harry and Voldemort kind of morph into each other, trip around Hogwarts? I just like that Harry calls him Tom. Yeah, he's getting all cocky, Harry. You know, <laughs> I like that. That's a, It's a weird effect when they sort of blend together. I liked it. It was fine. It's a good thing that uh, Harry didn't kill Voldemort here before, you know, Nagini had been taken care of. Well, Harry knows better than that. What's the point in doing that? But Harry wins. Oh, well, Neville cuts the head off. Harry wins. That was awesome. That well, was awesome. It was all right. Come it was on. okay. It was okay. It's no always. I didn't say it was. But Voldemort, you know, quirrels himself. I could take that so many ways. Turns to ashes. Yeah. What do you think of Voldemort overall as a character? Yeah, he's now pretty, that he's gone. He's now great. Now that he's done and dusted. He's great. Love Voldemort. What's not to love? He's brutal. Great performance from Fines. Yep. He's got a plan that, you know... Yeah, I, th- I think the biggest um, knock on Voldemort is that he gets defeated by a teenager. For being the greatest wizard or dark wizard of all time, you know, he's like 17. <laughs> well, uh, like he is a kid. I- I think it's definitely a knock on Voldemort and his Horcruxes and how easy they were to find, apparently. Like, if you had a Horcrux, wouldn't you, like, bury it into the core of the earth? I mean, were they easy to find? I feel like... Like you said, a 17-year-old found them. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. But everyone's having some uh, pre- or post-victory celebrations, catching up on good times. And then we get the whole discussion about the Elder Wand and who it actually belonged to. I was like, okay, this seems very 11th hour kind of... Oh, it actually was Harry because it wasn't Snape who killed Voldemort. Oh, sorry, it wasn't Snape who killed Dumbledore. Draco disarmed Voldemort. God, Draco disarmed <laughs> Dumbledore. Like, what? <laughs> so, yeah. Stop being so complex. It's over. <laughs> <laughs> nah, fair enough. But we get the 19 years later now. Mm. What do you think of this like, this thing at the end? It's good. You don't like it? Ah, it's uh, it's okay. Like it's I don't care. I loved it in the book. Maybe it's a bit wonky in the film because the makeup is iffy. It was actually Tom Felton's real life girlfriend who played his wife at the end of this. Fair enough. Just rubbing it know, right in Emma Watson's face. Is he? Do you know who Draco Malfoy's wife's name is? Mrs. Malfoy. Astoria Greengrass. Oh, that's what it's like to feel like to be Dean. So are they married? Yes. So she is Mrs. Malfoy? No, didn't take his name. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, (laughs) righto. Were you expecting me to ask you, is that why you came prepared with notes? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I've learnt my lesson along the way here. So what do you make of the Potter's kids' names? They're pretty dumb. (laughs) Bill Dore. All right, so we've got. Do do you know them? Yeah, there's. Isn't there Albus. Albus Sirius Potter? 
No. There, I know there's a combination of Albus and Sirius <laughs> and Snape and all just and and Lily and James and Ron and no, no Ron. Hermione you're, and Weasley. No, uh, you're pretty close. So it's it's James Sirius, Albus Severus, and Lily Luna. James, are you serious? Lily Luna. That's unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel yeah, like Luna's next... Luna's maybe getting a bit too much credit to go in the same sentence as all the other people? Yeah, I feel like they should have had a Neville before a Luna. I'm not sure Neville suits a girl's name. I mean, what what female? Like, wouldn't you wouldn't you have Minerva in there before Luna? Should name their kid Weasley Granger Potter. <sighs> all right, it's just as ridiculous as the other ones. Was there a Remus? Surely there should have been a Remus. Hmm. Do you know Ron and Hermione's two kids' names? Fred and George. Hugo and Rose. Are they tied into anything in particular? Don't know. Uh, what else we got? You know what happens to Neville? He doesn't get together with Luna. He becomes headmaster. Mm, well done. Do you know what Harry and Ron's professions are? Quidditch champions. They are auras. They're what? <laughs> auras. What's that? Uh, basically, like, they fight dark magic for the Ministry of Magic. Mad-Eye Moody was an aura. They tracked down Death Eaters, basically. Okay. Any other tidbits? Uh, Hermione. Do you know what happens to her? She goes to work for the Ministry of Magic. Yeah, she becomes a minister for magic. Okay. And so it says here you've got Albus here, who's a younger kid who's a bit worried about, you know, going to school for the first time. What if I get sorted into Slytherin? Do you know what happens to him? He goes into Slytherin. Yes, he does. <laughs> <laughs> and after all this, Filch is still cleaning up that damn mess. Yes, he is. But that is going to do it for the entire Harry Potter series, ending it with Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. Final thoughts, Dean? Yeah, I love Harry Potter. Uh, it's not nearly as good as the books. And watching the franchise through, it's a very, it's such an easy franchise to watch. Like, there's really no slow points. Order of the Phoenix isn't the best, but it's not boring by any stretch. This movie is awesome. Like, it's it's amazing. It takes all the, you know, potentially slower stuff from the the Deathly Hallows book as a whole and puts it in part one. And now you get this great part two that wraps up a lot of storylines. There's emotional payoff with Snape, who is my favorite character, as I've said before. You get the ultimate demise of Voldemort, Harry growing as a person, as a wizard, Ron Hermione hooking up. It's it's all good stuff. For me, very, very strong film. Actually went up my Potter ranking as a result. Uh, I give it four and a half stars. And for me, this is the best Harry Potter movie. Very good. What about you, Hendo? Once again, I pretty much agree with everything you said. For me, this is the best Harry Potter film. Uh, it holds up really well on a rewatch and a rewatch again. I, w- I did watch this twice because it's it's just so entertaining. It's such a great conclusion to the eight film series that we've just gone through. Really ties in every movie that you've watched, which is great. Like this is obviously a part two of a two part finale, but it's it reaps the benefits of watching the six films prior to this as well. Everything just ties together perfect. Watching them grow from, you know, little what are they? What were they? Ten in the first film? Eleven. Eleven. Yep. To now, all these characters that have grown, you care for all of them. So when you know several of these characters. You know, end up dying, you really, really feel it. The twists and turns along the way here, the final confrontation with Voldemort. Voldemort is such a fantastic villain. 
really fleshed out throughout these all these films from you know the Voldemort head on the back of Quirrell in the first one to the actual introduction to Voldemort himself in the Goblet of Fire all the way to now this has been fantastic the the whole series in general has been very entertaining four and a half stars to me for Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2 as well very nice I was the best because the crowd loved me all right Dean where's this going to sit in your rankings of 80 films now all right for me Obviously, it's a four and a half star film, but I'm going to say it's it's going to be on the lower end of my four and a half star film. So let's just look right at my highest, my current highest ranked four and a half star film, which is Your Name at number thirty six. And I actually think Your Name is better, so I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it right here. Deathly Hallows Part Two will be my new number thirty seven out of eighty. Okay, uh, I'm I'm kind of like you. I'm going to put it at the lower tier of the four and a half star films, and I'm going to start it off uh, against Logan, and I think it's better than Logan. And then it hits It's a Wonderful Life, and I think that's where it's going to stop. I think It's a Wonderful Life is better than the Deathly Hallows Part Two. So Deathly Hallows Part Two is my new number forty four. Very good. All right, mate. Let's get two. We may still have mail. Mail, mail, mail. Here it is. And this could be it. Where we have some of our patrons give reviews for the films we break down. First one here from Rob Manafield. For my money, Deathly Hallows Part 2 is the best film in the Harry Potter franchise. Going to see it in the cinema nearly 10 years ago now still remains one of those cinema experiences that has stuck with me much in the same way Endgame will be for people. It felt like a part of my childhood was coming to an end. There's one big problem for me though, and that is they did the final Harry Voldemort confrontation from the book Dirty instead giving us this horrible 3D flying sequence. Aside from that, this film is great. Four stars. Very good. And lastly here from the Rough House podcast, a fitting finale to a great fantasy series. The battle for Hogwarts is a blast and the culmination of the story is satisfying. I like seeing the return of the school and most people from the prior movies. Even that Neville glow up. Glow up? What's a glow up? I don't know. But more so to see McGonagall being the total badass that she is. The escape from Gringotts is thrilling too. Makes me want to go back to Universal for the ride. Great stuff here and very enjoyable. Four and a half stars. Very good. Thank you very much for those reviews, guys. But no Shane review this week, unfortunately. No, he must have had a busy week. I'm sure he's a huge fan. It's probably five stars. He's probably got some funny story, but that's fine. We don't want to hear it. No, that's all right. You do you, Shane. All right, mate, let's get to... That's my question! The question, jerk! Where we asked you, fittingly, what is your favourite Harry Potter film? And as usual, with our Facebook Listen Discussion group and our patrons, we also asked them what their worst Harry Potter film is as well. So let's get on to that. First one here from Gerald at Two Peas in a Podcast. He's going through these films at the moment for his first time watching it. That means that he's watching it for the first time. He's gone through the first six so far. His best is Prisoner of Azkaban, and his worst is Chamber of Secrets. All right. Nerdrovert says, Favourite is Prisoner of Azkaban. Worst is The Half-Blood Prince, but Order of the Phoenix and Goblet of Fire are right there neck and neck as well. Doesn't sound like a, a big Harry Potter fan. Not unlike this awesome patron, Georgia Watson says, The best is Goblet of Fire, and the worst is The Half-Blood Prince. The Rough House podcast says the best is Prisoner of Azkaban and the worst is Chamber of Secrets, except for Branner, though. Oh, plot twist. His favourite is Goblet of Fire. So he has a separate best and favourite. Yeah, I've never been I've never been into having a best and a favourite because they're, they're kind of the same for me. Awesome patron Nick Haskins of Mr. Nikolai's Kitchen says the best is Order of the Phoenix and the worst is Goblet of fucking Trash. Wow, you didn't have to change what he wrote, Hendo. 
<laughs> I didn't. I did not. <laughs> Brother Shane says, best is Deathly Hallows Part 2 and the worst is Goblet of Fire. Okay. David Powell says, best is Prison of Azkaban and the worst is Chamber of Secrets. Heffer says, seen the first, yet to watch the rest. So, I think it's fair to say <laughs> his best and worst are uh, Philosopher's Stone, which hasn't got a mention yet. So, thanks, Heffer. Well, that's impressive. Scott Murphy says, the best is Prisoner of Azkaban and the worst is the Deathly Hallows Part 1. Rob Whitelaw says the best would be Chamber of Secrets and the worst is Half-Blood Prince. And our last one here from Rob Stewart, best is Prisoner of Azkaban and the worst is the Half-Blood Prince. Now, thank you very much, everyone, for putting in a response. But, Dean, let's get to our top five Harry Potter films out of eight films. So I guess we're now talking about the, the other three. Why don't we just go straight to your number five, Dean? What is it? All right. It is Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. All right. All right, all right. My number five is Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. My number four is The Goblet of Fire. Goblet of Fire, hey? Didn't make my list because my number four is The Order of the Phoenix. Yeah, that's the worst. Number five is the worst. It's not. It's not. Uh, not. The third best is The Chamber of Secrets. Very underrated. Mm, Hmm. Okay. My number three is The Prisoner of Azkaban. My number two is The Half-Blood Prince. I think we have the same here. My number two is also the Half-Blood Prince. My number one is Deathly Hallows Part 2. Indeed, that is my number one as well. All right, but we still have... DVD Challenge accepted. And it was your turn to pick first this week, Dean, for a mini draft on Harry Potter films. Yeah, I thought this would be pretty easy. I thought the whole roles were reversed here for uh, the old old Fincher that happened last week, Dean. I mean, I thought it was a clear number one. It's easily the highest ranked. I think it probably did the most box office. Everyone loves it. So I went Deathly Hallows Part 2. I think you're underestimating the Quaron of it all. Yeah, obviously a lot of hendos on uh, film Twitter. <laughs> oh, Quaron, I love the direction in that film. Fuck off. Hey, if there were more, if there were more hendos out there, I would have won it with the Social Network last week. All right. No, you, yeah, no. Uh, and we, yeah, you took you took Azkaban, and what else did you take? Half Blood Prince. Half Blood Prince, and I took Philosopher's Stone, which, to be honest, didn't really matter. Uh, no, not even a little bit. But I said, I said, once we finished this, I thought the order would be the order we took it in, and you did not disagree, Hendo. No, no, I thought it was the order that we were taking in because you went first. I would not have chosen Deathly Hallows Part Two if I went first. Of course not. No, because look at the blowout here: fifty-three percent for Azkaban. I didn't even need the other one this week. Yeah, no, Azkaban did well. Yes, it did. So that's one point for me in our new round. So I'm glad I'm up first off, but uh, I don't think that happened. I don't think that mattered in the last one. I think I got one up on your last time, and you got the next three in a row. So you know, we'll see what happens next week. Yeah. So what's next? All right, Dean. Next week is Pod v Pod 45, but the week after that, it is your turn to pick a film to break down, Dean. Now, what are we going to do here? We're going to go another Japanese samurai film. Uh, definitely not. I'm Japanese <laughs> samurai out right now. All right, I know what I'm going to pick, Endo. Oh, thank you. Please do share. And it's funny because, you know, I'm going through the list. I'm seeing what I'm feeling at the moment. And in light of a recent release, I am going a not recent release at all. I'm going Citizen Kane. All right. That's that's an interesting pick considering, yeah, the release of Mank recently. Yeah, interesting. Considering I watched Mank and I hadn't seen Citizen Kane in a very long time, I feel like I could use a Citizen Kane refresher. Well, I think I've seen Citizen Kane. I don't remember anything from Citizen Kane except... Uh, Rosebud. Except Rosebud. I mean, spoilers. Yes. <laughs> what, did we spoil what it meant? I don't know. Rosebud. All right. That is a very interesting choice. I'm pretty happy with that one. 
So thank you very much, everyone, for checking this episode out, and we'll see you next week for Pod v Pod 45. Bye.